Are you struggling to make your first 100K or next? Are you pretending you're successful, but barely getting by? Are you tired of comparing yourself to millionaires and billionaires who make it look so easy? Welcome to First 100K, the number one entrepreneur voice in America. I talk about the important things that no one else is talking about, like how to make your first $100,000, because I believe this is where 90% of entrepreneurs get stuck. And I tackle the mental game of entrepreneurship that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are successful entrepreneurs who share their mistakes, their number one fears, their daily habits, and their superpowers that push them over the 100K mark. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a 10-time failed entrepreneur and the owner of two co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida. This show was created for you the entrepreneur who's pushing to break through the elusive 100K milestone. Wherever you are in your business, you're just 100K away. Today, my featured guest is Todd Palmer. He is an executive coach, keynote speaker, renowned thought leader, author, and CEO who is committed to helping business owners tackle their obstacles and clear their path to success. Now, you probably remember we had Todd back on the uh, on the show a while back. Uh, he really brought his A-game uh, in what he does in his uh, everyday uh, business, um, Extraordinary Advisors, and he's built that into, a, I believe, over $10 million a year uh, empire. Um, but now, Todd, he went through some changes during COVID, and he wrote a best-selling book on Amazon called From Suck to Success. You can find that from sucktosuccess.com. And we're going to speak about that today, but we're going to go firsthand into uh, Todd's personal journey of how he pivoted um, during COVID, where he lost all his stages, uh, his his big business model, right, where he's making all the money, he lost it. COVID took it, it stole it from him. How did he pivot? What are the tips and strategies that he personally used to now had a, have a four hundred percent increase in his business? He did over two hundred fifty k in that that uh, new branch or model of his business, and he's gonna get into it. And he's gonna get into the mental game, like what were the things going on in his head where he went from you know this high success to now he had to start over again due to COVID. So Todd Palmer, welcome to your first 100K, uh, top 100 podcast in entrepreneurship on iTunes. Go ahead and fill in some of the, the gaps in the, in the intro and maybe just reintroduce uh, yourself to some audience members that didn't hear you the first time around on the show. Yeah. Thank you, Joseph, so much for having me back. Um, it's, it's an honor to be here. And I, I know you have a lot of guest options. And the fact that you'd have me on twice to your audience says a lot. Um, so yeah, uh, I was, I'm the retired CEO of diversified industrial staffing. That was my $10 million business. And that, that was a business that cratered during the recession of 2007, 2008. So much so that on a $2 million runway, I was $600,000 in debt. I was, the bank called my line of credit. My son and I were about to be homeless. And I finally decided to deal with my imposter syndrome, or as I call it, my itty bitty shitty committee and hired a coach. From that point, we turned the business around. I started hiring people for their DNA, not for their resume. And we scaled that business, paid off all of the debt, and we made the Inc. 5000 as one of America's fastest growing companies a crazy six times. I retired from that business four years ago to go into coaching full-time. Um, I was building my practice during the COVID process. And it, the way I was told by other successful coaches was to get on stage, to do podcasts, to, to talk about things that were relevant to entrepreneurs and leaders around the world. 
I booked my, I booked six stages out to kick off the year. I was going to be in three different countries. I was, you know, the trends were all there. And within two weeks, everything went away. Um, I had a nitty bitty shitty committee party. It's amazing how they, they still live in my class and they came out to visit me in March of last year. And for about two days, I was pretty down. And um, I called my coach. I use a, a neuroscientist out of San Diego, California. His name is Danny Freeland. Always give credit where credit is due. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Danny. And we had a long conversation. And what he helped me pivot into is, why am I doing this? Why, why do I coach? It took me back 12 years ago to when I worked with Simon Sinek. And I spent two years to figure out two words. I coach to improve lives. Um, Danny doubled down on that. Where else, so if you can't improve lives from stage, where else can you improve lives from? And have you just, I think you, and he really challenged me. He goes, you're acting as if COVID's happened to you. That's a victim mindset. What if we pivot you into COVID happened for you and there's opportunity within the tragedy? I had never thought of that. Hmm. And I said, okay, let's do that. So what I did is I started volunteering all over the globe from my house. And I talked to 42 CEOs in 67 days, each for 30 minutes, all for free. And I got zero clients from that. What I did get is I got a sales force of 42 CEOs who knew other CEOs. And that's partially how I grew my business 400%. In addition, I had free time now because I wasn't traveling and I wasn't speaking. And when I did speak, it was from my living room, from my living room, from my home office. And so I decided to finish my book. My book comes out about 60 days ago and it becomes an international bestseller. Got, I've got, I've received clients off of the book coming out and people reading the book like, hey, I see myself in your stories. I thought you were writing the book and talking to me. I want to work with you. So by doubling down on why I was doing it, what's my purpose, realizing that COVID happened for me, not to me, and I was able to pivot, grow my business by giving more of myself, not less of myself, not worrying about how I was going to be paid, but you know, being of service to other people. Uh, and in that model, you know, the mess of COVID has become the message of hope and opportunity for people listening today. Mm. Powerful story right there. I think we're done. <laughs> so... Todd, one part that I almost wanted to jump in on in what you just shared was you said you uh, reached out and you did pro bono coaching for all these CEOs, uh, over 60 CEOs, and you got no clients out of it. What was that like for you internally? Uh, because it's very easy for us to have that pity party um, or to say this ain't working or to get bitter or resentful, I just gave and contributed to all your lives because that's the great, amazing human being I am. And none of you uh, reciprocated. Where's that law of reciprocity that I hear about all the time, right? So we could run all these different stories. What happened to you on the inside during that? What was that like for you to not get any response or any contribution back to yourself when you just gave of yourself? So like I talk about in my book, From Suck to Success, I went into the conversations with intentionality, not expectation. So I found that when and this brain science actually shows that when we go into something with expectations, very much a win-lose trade-off. When we go into it with intentionality, it's and both. So I went into the conversations with intentionality. I also set firm boundaries. The boundary is I will talk to you for 30 minutes, not 40 minutes, not 60 minutes, unless I choose to, which then becomes my gift to give. And that's something I'm comfortable with. I'd rather give people money than loan people money. Then I expect to get it back. If I give it and it comes back, that's one thing. So I, so I set boundaries. And, and so I had intentions, not expectations. I set boundaries. And at the end of each conversation, I did make an ask. I asked, can you give me a, a review on my Facebook page? 
Would you be willing to do that? How and many of the 60 something CEOs did that? So it was 42 CEOs in 67 days. Thank and you. Sir. I believe I got about 20. I got also, I said, well, one guy goes, I'm, I'm not on Facebook, but I'll give you a LinkedIn. Okay, great. And, and then, I, and then some said, you know what? I'm not on either. It's crazy enough. Um, but let me send you an email and I'll, I'll say something about the value I got from our conversation. And so that helped a lot. So then what I did with those, those testimonials is I started sharing them on social media. What that started creating is it started creating goodwill in the communities because the person said, you know, Todd, you know, someone else said I was good at what I do. Someone else said I added value to them versus me telling you, talking at you. So the, the, those, those third-party endorsements, I saw those as valuable. And the other thing I asked for is, can I use your endorsement in my book? Because I, I wanted to have testimonials in the book. And everybody said, yes. So, so I, I took, I gave, I asked, soft ask, no monetary exchange, and that came back to me. And then what happened for me, which was really interesting is I felt really good doing it. So what I got wasn't money. I got was, was good juju, good energy, good mojo from the other person. Because when they have that light bulb moment, you know how this goes. When, when someone gets it, oh my gosh, that feels so good. My brain fires some dopamine. Oh, I feel pretty good. Joseph, he had a breakthrough. And I just found, and what ultimately I decided to do is I really started to treat it as practice. I'm a big believer that in order to get good at anything, we have to practice it. And, you know, it's like, it's like being in a band. I, I want to be, I want to play at the, uh, the Madison Square Garden, but if I don't play all the little local bars for next to nothing and, and get my chops down, I'll never be Bruce Springsteen. Wow, crazy. That's exactly what Springsteen did back in the 70s. He played every little place he could, as often as he could, as best as he could. And he always told himself, play the room, play the room you have, not the room you want and give everything. So I just gave and gave and gave. And I, and I trusted that somehow it would come back to me. It was, mm. a big, it was a big leap of faith. It really is. Now, there's two ways one could identify with your story. For my audience listening right now, they could say, man, Todd, that sucked. Out of 40 <laughs> CEOs you, you invested in, only 50% of them even cared enough to write a review that would take them two minutes. Like, what the heck, man? Didn't that piss you off? Right? That's they, one. That's one that's approach. A great way to, that's a great question. And, and I, I control my reaction to whatever happens to me. So I saw it again, I talk about it in the book. It, you know, if, it, it, if something, ha did it happen for me or did it happen to me? And, and I own how I choose to react to it. I do this model from stage where I draw, I bring someone up and I draw a nine on a piece of paper and I hold it out in front of me and I ask them to read it. So it looks like a nine to me. It looks like a six to them. And I say to you, I said, Joseph, what number do you see? Well, I see a six. Well, I see a nine. Who's right? The, the fixed mindset person will say they're right. Someone who's got more of a growth mindset, well, we're both right. Because the reality is all the perspective we take on it. So if I take the perspective of, I'm going to show up and volunteer, then I, I don't expect to get anything back. I ask for a favor. Can you write a review? I don't expect them to do it. I want them to do it because they want to do it, not because they feel obligated to do it. And there's a little obligation that drives them to do it. That's great. Um, but I, I just decided that what I could do is I could give from a, a place of abundance, not a place of scarcity. And I wanted to model that into the world. Mm. That's super good. Do you ever try like with a client, like to control getting the testimonial, meaning like put it as part of the contract or the coaching agreement that, Hey, if you're really happy with the services, you'll do a video testimonial for 60 seconds or anything like that. Or do you literally give them that space to absolutely say no, just take, take, take and not give back? Well, if it's a client, first of all, they're paying me. So right. if it's a, if it's a paying client, it's, there is a reciprocal exchange. Um, what, what I found works really well is a couple of things. 
Um, in some of my speaker writers, it did say um, I would get a testimonial from, from the event host or the association or whoever I spoke with. I found that didn't work well because mm. they felt like they owed me. Yeah. I think it's trigger. It's obligation driven. Right. Absolutely. I found just when I like, especially like when they say, oh my gosh, that was awesome. Like, especially when you come off stage, I always had my phone with me. Really, Joseph, if you thought it was awesome, hey, would you mind, can I, can I just shoot a quick testimony when you're in the moment, when you're feeling the energy? No one's ever said no to that. So, because they're feeling in the moment, they're feeling pretty good. Um, I found with clients that the best testimonial certainly is a written one, but it's more the referral. And when someone refers, when someone gives me a referral, I, as their coach, if Joseph is my client and you refer me to your friend, Scott, me being referred to Scott says so much more about you as my client than me as your coach, because Scott is your friend. Scott is your trusted family member or whomever. So mm. I, I really have to step up and show up. And when you refer me into your inner circle, that's better than a testimonial for me. Um, so I've gotten both. I find though, the, the craziest thing is people just don't think of doing it. That's so just, what it I, is. I just I say, Joe, would you, would you mind giving a testimonial real quick? Oh gosh, no, I never, for my book. So I, I just did this the other day. I, I sent a message to all the people that I knew who bought my book. I said, hey, would you, if, could you take 15 minutes? But I said, can you do it today? And just write a quick testimonial of the book. Because I know once I get a certain number of Amazon reviews, then Amazon and its algorithms will start promoting the book. I want the book to get out there, not to make money for me, but to be of service to my community. And but he goes, oh gosh, I never even thought about it. Yeah, I'd love to. People just don't think about it. So yes, I find a soft ask from a genuine place just goes a whole lot further than any contractual obligation the way I do it. Mm, powerful. Okay, so give us your top three tips or strategies that you used uh, to pivot um, when COVID stole your business model that was working and set up to work and the market was right, the timing was right, and then something outside of your control, an act yeah. of God, as they say, right, yeah, sure. um, happens and man, it's just taken and you're left kind of like, what do I do with your jaw hanging? Like what was yeah. your first next right move? Um, I, I reached out and asked for help. I called my coach. Cause I, I spent okay. about two days kind of, you know, wallowing in the misery. Yeah. Like this isn't going to work. I know better now. Yeah. Um, and we, we, we put it into what I, so the first thing is I, I got help. Second thing mm -hmm. my coach talked me to reminded me to do is why am I doing this? What is my purpose? Not to make money. Money's a by for me, money's a byproduct of the purpose. So my purpose was to improve lives. Where else can you do that? And then we put it into the active learning cycle. I'm such a fan of the active learning cycle that, um, I, it's, it, it concludes every chapter of my book. That's how much I believe in it. So what's the purpose? What was my experience? How, what, did, what did I like? What didn't I like? What's my intention, not my expectation? What can I control? What can I do? And, and am, I, am I doing it from a heart-centered place, not from a, a fear-based place? Was, was I freaked out that I you know, lost gigs? Of course. The ones that prepaid me, I did it for them online. But the ones that didn't prepay me, I lost them. So there, there was some of that. And then I just learned and I iterated and I learned it. But what I did, so, so first thing I said, I asked for help. Second thing is I, I doubled down on my purpose. The third thing is I used the active learning cycle. And the fourth thing is, especially when I was talking to those CEOs, what I heard is that so much of the world was wrapped up in chaos and crisis. I wasn't, I was, you know, I was disappointed. I was bummed out. I wasn't going to miss a mortgage payment. Uh, I wasn't going to miss, you know, my, well, I wasn't, I, I was going to be okay. That realized to me, oh my gosh, a lot of other people may not be okay. How sure. can I give differently? So I started a, a daily gratitude expression. So I put it on social media. And I also reached out to five people in my community and my network to see how they were doing. Because I really believe that people want to be seen. They want to be heard. 
They want to be known and they want to be accepted. I just, it's a belief I have. And it dawned on me that I maybe wasn't always the greatest friend because I some friend, you know, friends from college I hadn't talked to in a couple of years. So I just, every morning, I reach out to five people for 30 days to express gratitude for our relationship. So it sounds something like this. Hey, Joseph. Hey, dude, I totally dropped the ball. We haven't talked in a year. I'm a terrible friend. Let me make it up to you. Do you have time this weekend? I'd love to reconnect. I, want, I was thinking of you. I want to, uh, how are you doing? All those different things. And I, people are like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for thinking of me. I feel seen. Would love to talk to you. Uh, you know, here's what I'm going through. Now I'm known. Hey, I saw your stuff on social media. I wanted to reach out, but I was a little reluctant. And will you accept me? Oh, so I had those conversations with, so I really decided that communicate more, be a, be a greater resource to others, make it about them, not about me. And when I made it about them and not about me, that what I got back was phenomenal in connecting conversations and healing conversations and repairing conversations and just fun conversations. Mm. Startup Nation, very powerful. Ask for help. That's your step one. So many of us uh, men are known for this, but women do it too, right? All, all a bunch of little control freaks we are. Uh, we constantly position ourselves from a prideful positioning to look good, to look like we have it all figured out, even when we clearly don't. Um, so ask for help, get humble right before your ship burns and, and you sink, like, and take down your wife and kids with you or your spouse. Like, don't wait for that to happen. Um, where everybody else sees, oh my gosh, you need help. Like, go ask for it. Let them in. Uh, number two, remind yourself why you're doing it. You know, double down on your purpose, as Todd said. Uh, and then I, I skip to uh, number four, which is contribute to others more. Like, start pouring your life out into the lives of others. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. So what, I, what I found, too, especially that, that, that last part, I want to double down on this. Um, 2006, I suffered from massive depression and imposter syndrome. Mm. And I isolated myself. I operated all my decisions were made in a vacuum for diversified. So I want to learn from that experience. And, and what I really learned, the brain science shows this, if, and it's counterintuitive to most people. When I'm down, when I feel depressed, I feel like I should want more from my community, from my friends, my family, my tribe. The reality becomes is when we offer more, our depression goes away. And I didn't right. know that back in 06. So I remembered that. And I'm like, so reading some of the work, went back to some of the work I loved from Sean Aker, for example, about the gratitude expression. And it's like, you know what? When I really slow down, I take a 30,000 foot view of my life. I have a pretty good life, even losing all my stages. There's, there's probably people who don't have the life that I have. How can I be of service to them? And by being of service to them and by being massively curious about what they're going through and having them have a safe person to talk to, I, I trust that I will be, that I will receive some, some intrinsic visceral value. And I did. Yeah, that's so powerful. And it's completely counterintuitive because we're we're feeling depleted, we're feeling exhausted. So we're looking to be filled by others. Mm -hmm. um, and the way we get filled by others is to pour into others completely backwards, but it's that gratitude, right? Absolutely. And yeah, and that peace that comes from, you know, just giving yourself away to others. So the world says, no, take from others, uh, you know, from anybody who's biblical, you know, you pour your life into others. That's the, your source of peace, love, and joy in your life, Startup Nation. So Todd, anything that we didn't uh, hit from your book right now that you really want to convey powerfully to my audience? Uh, your book is From Suck to Success. Uh, you can find out from sucktosuccess.com. Um, it's a catchy wordplay. It's a little uh, tricky on the tongue as well. Um, <laughs> makes you think there. And you got the big lemon 
on the uh, on the cover there, um, and and your your tagline or part of it is embrace the suck, embrace the suck. Maybe tell us more about that and what other message do you want to really drive home right now? Sure. So for for me, when we when I think of embrace the suck, and I've heard about it from friends of mine who were in the military, you know, I often talk about embracing the suck there. I've got friends of mine who are in the holistic medical community, and they also talk about embracing the suck. And it's two different ways of embracing the suck. So in the military, it's the embrace of the suck. I do something hard. Uh, it's, a, it's a hero's journey. There's highs and lows. I embrace the suck to have a satisfying experience in the Marines. That was my buddy told me. Another friend of mine who's in medicine said, oh, embrace the suck. So embracing the suck means literally that's where the lemon idea came from. Just, yeah, the lemons are full of nutrients, nutrients, vitamin C, yet they're bitter, but you have to go through the bitter to get the vitamin. Oh, okay. So it had universal appeal. Um, for, for me, I think if anybody... Were to pick up the book, the book is really written from the, for the audience of the, the entrepreneur or the leader who's stuck, who, who's their, their itty bitty shitty committee is screaming at them that they're not enough, they're not good enough, they should have done, you know, I just want to say, well, I should have seen COVID coming. Wow. I, I, I said, all I can say is tell me more because like, really? So the stories we tell ourselves. And in the book, I include my story, I include uh, my friend, Brian Scudamore from 1-800-GOT-JUNK, Nigel Bennett from AquaGuard. He, he cleaned up the BP oil mm-hmm. spill. I had him on the show. Yep. Oh, great. So mm-hmm. yeah, Nigel's awesome. And his books are great too. Take the leap. I got to throw a little, a little plug in for him. Um, and in that, in the book, we, t- we share stories of real entrepreneurs. I throw in stories from Barbara Corker from Shark Tank, Colonel Sanders from Kentucky Fried Chicken. And the guy went on 1,009 sales appointments before he got his first deal. You know, it, the, the journey of being an entrepreneur is hard but it's satisfying. The journey of entrepreneur is not an elevator ride from the, the, the basement to the penthouse. It's a looping line of success. So if people read the book, I want them to take away that if they're struggling, they're not alone. If, if it's not going perfectly, welcome to the club. And by using the active learning cycle, you can, you can clear the mechanism. I, I work with athletes and that's what we talk about, clearing the mechanism of throwing the baseball or throwing the football. Clear the mechanism. So the first four chapters of the book are about mindset. The last four chapters are about taking action on what you pivoted into so that you can create a life by design. And I really believe work-life integration is possible. I really believe a life by design is possible. And I, and I believe that whether you're building a business or just building yourself a job, those things are all possible, but it all, for me, starts with mindset. Mm, so good. Do you, uh, what's your, what is your source of your own peace uh, other than going to your coach, asking for help? Do you have any um, specific routine that you do? Uh, that you go and get replenished for your, for, you know, your family, for your kids, for yourself, for your clients, because sometimes let's be real, giving to others can feel exhausting. Sure. Um, although there's the, the other side of it that when we pour our energy into others, energy comes back. It's, so it's a self-refreshing mechanism, but just practically speaking, you're not feeling up all the time. No. You don't wake up high on life every single morning, I suspect. So what do you do um, when you find yourself in a suck, even if it's short term? Mm-hmm. Oh, and it still happens. So I, I, I love the question because people are like, oh, well, you, you're a coach and you have all these things going on and your book is doing great. and Your, your practice is growing and you travel and I have bad days too. Um, what I first learned was, you know, the imposter syndrome that I suffered from, I've just, it's still in, so I treat my life sometimes like a car going down a highway. In 2006, when my business was a mess and I was a mess, the imposter syndrome was behind the wheel. Well, now I've moved it over to the passenger seat. It's still there. It's just quieter and, and, and talks less often, but that when it sees its opportunity, it just jumps in. Don't, don't think I've cracked the code on that. It just participates less. So for me, what I find works well is 
I, I really do believe that I'm on, you know, I tell myself the narrative that I'm on this earth to improve lives. Um, and when I improve the lives of others, my life will be improved. So it's them first, me second. That's just how I do it. So I always remember that. And when I don't feel that way, I wake up some days and like, well, what about me? And it still happens. So the first thing I do is that tells me that the, my demands in my life have exceeded my internal resources. Mm. So like the oxygen mass on the plane, I have to take care of me first because people do pull the water out of my well. So I've got yeah. to put more water in. So how do I do that? I practice gratitude. Um, I will. I, so I practice gratitude by not watching the news. I don't watch the news. Um, and the news of, will steal your gratitude. Well, I just, cause then right? I watch it and I dissect it and I have a background in journalism and then I start calling it. it the, the rabbit hole never serves me. So first thing I do is I protect my energy and my time. So I don't watch the news. What I do instead is I'll listen to a podcast like yours. I'll listen to my favorite music and I go to the gym. I try to go to the gym first thing, five, five out of seven days. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. The second thing is I will um, reach out to my clients. You know, I, my coaching model is, is a unique one. I talk to my clients either every week or every other week. So I talk to my clients multiple times per month. Uh, it's a high touch model. And then I have a, a part of my model is I will make myself available 24, 7, 365 to them. So if they're in chaos or crisis, they can reach out. Just text me. And if I've got time, I'll call you. It's part of Tell my me more, if you don't mind me jumping in, tell me sure. more about that. Because at first blush, when you just said that, like in half a second, that almost seems like a recipe for disaster as far as not having boundaries to protect the relationships in your life that matter most to you. Because clients can come in, you know, at any time, 24 mm seven, -hmm. that can really wreak havoc on your family life, your sure. kids, et cetera. How does that work well for you? And where does it not? Sure. Great question. So uh, one, I, I, none of my clients are energy vampires anymore. I've had That's them. Important. Yeah, for sure. Um, so 99% of my clients who come to me will have heard me on a podcast, see me speak from Sage or read my book. They've already basically pre-selected me before I ever meet them. So they're kind of believing in my philosophy. They're believing in how I do things and they want my help. I don't, I don't, I'm not auditioning per se. So that, that helps quite a bit. Secondarily is I, I have an upfront contract with my family. My upfront contract with my family is you love all that I, we, we have, you love all that I provide. I'm, you know, I'm in a single income household. We love all this. There are people who pay for that. And sometimes they have bad days. And sometimes their bad days happen when it's inconvenient for our family. I had a client call me on Christmas Eve one time, absolutely like a Mr. Potato Head, arms and legs all over the floor. I was over there, hat was over there. And I'd help, help him get it all back together for the holiday. His wife called me on Christmas Day to wish me a Merry Christmas because often I get to meet the spouses. And she wanted to thank me so much for helping him get it together on Christmas Eve so he could be present for his family. Mm. Now, that's a, I'm in a, in a gifted position to do that. So the boundary becomes, first with my family, I have an upfront contract that if I'm in the middle of something with my family, I will respond to my client and I will let them know when I will be available. So I said that like, I, can't drop everything to, I can't drop everything and talk to you right now, Joseph. I can talk to you in two hours when I'm done. Like the other day I was, I, I took my family to, to um, an event. Someone reached out, can you talk? I can talk to you in two hours. Is it, will that work for you? Sure. So then I go to my significant other, Jennifer, and I'll say, hey, I have a client. Then in a few minutes, I'm planning to talk with them in a couple of hours. Do I, did I miss anything in our calendar that's important to you? She's like, no, I totally get it. Uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to go watch a movie. Just join us when you can. But it's upfront conversations. It's, it's really, it's a version of asking for permission, not for forgiveness for, for my family. Second thing with my, my clients I find is they do really respect my time. I don't really I'm not run into people who I feel take advantage of me. And th that feels really good. And the thing of it is, it's kind of like being an ER doctor. When they're, when they're in triage and they're bleeding out, I want to go in and, and help them 
have the awareness to fix their problems, help them have the awareness, give them that 30,000 foot view of what they're going on. Maybe it's not as bad as they think it is. And the reward and the energy I get from that supersedes the amount of energy I expend into it. My family knows that. They, they love the fact that, so I, I'm talking to you today. I've got two other calls and basically the rest of the day is family day. They're gonna, it's gonna be super fun. Why not go do that? It's, t- it's a Tuesday. How many kids get to, you know, they're gonna Zoom calls or, or for school are done at two o'clock and we're gonna spend the rest of the day together. That's a life by design. It's integrating yes. it to where we are. Um, it, and because I love what I do and I love my clients and I love being of service to them, it, it never feels like a dream to me. Yeah. Powerful answer. Thank you for that. And Startup Nation, I hope you're really connecting with Todd and the life of design he's created for himself. And he's gone through struggles just like you, right? So he's an ordinary guy. Um, yeah. And now, based on some good decisions uh, and letting go of some poor choices, uh, he now leads leads and lives an extraordinary life. Um, I also connect with him on that. You know, people look at my life and they see I have a lot of peace and I have a lot of um, love in my life and just calmness, uh, no anxiety, really. And I have a lot of time on my hands and I'm able to run two top podcasts, a coaching practice and really pour into my family as well. And and that occurs as extraordinary well, out, in, it, out in the world. It's funny you mentioned extraordinary. So I'm working on the book and I was back and forth. So I created a team to help me with the book. I didn't do it by myself. And I'm talking to my creative person and she sent me a, a definition of what extraordinary means. And I put it in the book because I was really angry one day. I'm like, mm. I go, I'm tired of the, the bastardization of words like awesome, awesome and extraordinary because not everything is awesome and not everything or everyone is extraordinary. She sent me this great definition. And I think you just encapsulated it. An extraordinary life is a, life, a singular event, a singular thing. So your life it is extraordinary because it's what you want. It's important to you individually. Someone else may not want to have two podcasts in a thriving coaching practice. They might want to be in a, you know, a leader in an organization with a bunch of people who report up. Everybody's life can be extraordinary on your own terms. It's when it, it becomes out of alignment with the life you have versus the life you seek. That's where the friction comes in. And how do we then help them create that? So it sounds like you're crushing it. Good for you. And it, when you create an extraordinary, an extraordinary life, it's singular to the individual. It's not my life. It's not your life. It's their life. Yes. And I would just add one last part to that is in order to find your own extraordinary life, Startup Nation, and start living it, you have to make some extraordinary decisions. You have to disrupt the habit loops that you're in that may not be serving you right now. And that first one, which is a big one, we just had a, a men's group. We do 6 a.m. on Tuesdays um, at, at our church, a bunch of you know successful men and stuff. And we were talking about pride today. Mm. And the biggest thing we struggle to do is ask for help. Sure. Well, even when we're going down with our own ship, we just yeah. won't do it. Yeah. It's funny. Someone asked me the other day, why, why doesn't someone hire you as a coach? And it's so funny you mentioned pride. I say two, two things, pride and ego. That, mm-hmm. That's the thing that is, because I said, well, this would help me back. In 06, I knew other coaches. I could have hired somebody. I could have hired somebody in 03, 04, 05. I waited all that time until like the mountain was falling upon me and I hired a coach. Thank goodness I hired the right coach. And I was also, I was also ready to be coached. That's part of the issue. So and one yes. reason is pride and ego. Secondly, is they're not ready. And third is they see it as, a, as an expense, not an investment. When we invest in ourselves, where it gives us so much more to give to others. Uh, but yeah, pride and ego just, oh my goodness. It, 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 it just, it destroys businesses. It destroys families and it destroys lives. 
Yeah. So Startup Nation, we're speaking with Todd Palmer. Todd, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the hustle round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Not your first uh, go around here. You've done it before. Are you ready? I am ready. What is your favorite thing about, well, what you do really as an entrepreneur, what you get to do and uh, improve lives? What's your favorite thing about that? Uh, without a doubt, it's the light bulb breakthrough moments my clients have. Yeah, got it. What's your least favorite thing? Um, that, that I don't have enough time to help more people. <laughs> There's not it. enough for me to go around Sundays. Sure. What are you most afraid of? So the great question, I think the most afraid of is I'm going to run out of time and I'm going to pass away before I've helped enough people. Mm, got it. What do you, uh, I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of being human. Uh, what are you currently struggling with right now, either professionally or personally? Oh gosh, great question. Um, I, I guess what I'm struggling enough with still, still it's sometimes it's the imposter syndrome of not being all things to all people all the time, not being enough. I was on the road for eight days and I missed my family and I wish I could have been both home and on the road. And there wasn't, and it's just, so I talked about it and I felt better once I shared my fear. Got it. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year? Oh gosh, probably eating. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> what secret fear do you have about people? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I think my secret fear around people is that sometimes when we're with somebody, it's not, they're not, they're not, I call it WYSIWYG. They're not what you see is what you get. They're, they're putting up masks. They're putting up defenses. They're, they're hiding behind something. And I love it when I'm able to create enough, a safe enough space where they can just be themselves. I don't have to, you know, we don't have to be best friends, but I'd rather, you know, be who you are. Don't, no reason to put up false sayers. Yeah, that's a big one for sure. What do you wish you had learned sooner in your business or in business? Oh gosh, in business, it's really easy. Margin over, margin over revenue. <laughs> I, was a, I was a revenue chasing machine versus focusing on the margin. Yeah, that's big. What's a new habit you want to create in your life? Um, hmm. Hadn't thought about that. A new habit I want to create. I, I'll go with, I want to continue to improve upon my active listening skills so that when I'm talking with people in my life, I get triggered less and engaged more. <laughs> what do you wish, uh, what's a bad habit that you want to break? Oh, um, sometimes I run into situations where I still listen to answer, not listen to absorb. And so I want to, I, I practiced for 10 years to listen to absorb, not respond. Sometimes mm. I still slip into old habits. So it's always an area for improvement for me. Yeah, me too. Right. Sometimes just to sit there and just let it hang after they say what they said and you don't need to contribute advice yet. Right. Unless right. they ask for it. Right. That's difficult. Uh, pick three words to describe who you are now. Oh gosh. Well, I put it in my book. So I, I think of myself as authentic, transparent, vulnerable, Vulnerability means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So I just, I just simply say, when you meet me, you're, hopefully you'll find me to be ATV. Got it. Pick three words to describe who you were before. Um, well, you, you embraced your own suck. Oh, God. Um, I was scared. I was... So I was scared. I was overly competitive. And I lived in a world... So, so I focused on scarcity, not abundance. Yeah. And last question, if you could come back to life after you died, look, your family, your kids, your spouse, your, uh, just all of them in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about everything, about living a life of possibility. 
What would you say to them? That it, one, that it's possible. You can, you can create an extraordinary life singular to you. And don't wait. My son's 30. Talk about him in the book. He's, a kick, he's the kickoff story in my book. The book is dedicated to him. And I, I'm constantly saying time, time is finite. We don't know when it ends. Don't wait. Don't wait, Startup Nation. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about uh, going from their sock, embracing their sock to going to success in their own life? Sure. Um, so what, what I'd like to know is if they go to fromsocktosuccess.com, they tell me that they heard me on your show, they get the first chapter of the book for free as my gift to them to help me improve their lives. Second thing is if anybody wants to talk to me, if they are stuck, happy to give them 30 minutes of my time for free. No, no questions asked, no solicitation. Um, it's just my, my thanks to you as the host for having me on your show, because this is a privilege for me to be here, as well as a chance for me to honor all the coaches I've had by giving back to, to your community. That's awesome. All right, Startup Nation, you can find Todd Palmer at from suck to success.com. Todd Palmer, thank you for being on your first 100K again. And I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Uh, Joseph, thanks for having me back on. I had a great time. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock? in the morning time is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things you're not keeping your word in the matter you're letting people down maybe your own spouse or kids do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated which is turning into anger are you battling addictions right now are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on a bipolar and depression medicines if any of these you connect with then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.